As consumers, we are bombarded by it at every turn, like the Incredible Hulk being bombarded by gamma rays. But what makes some media endure, while others are banished to the forgotten black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again? Who or what decides this? Hetero life mate Steve and Yehel want to know, and they want to know now. This is Obscurity Now. now, now, now. And what's up, Obscurians? It's time for another episode of Obscurity Now, a show that takes a look at weird and almost forgotten pieces of media, and then we decide if they should be remembered for all of human history or tossed in the black void of obscurity, never to be heard from again. My name is Steve. I'm one of the hosts, and with me, he's a man who's turning evil doers into evil donters. It's. <laughs> it is Yahel. How are you doing? Oh, doing great. I mean, you know, we've got a lot of free time on our hands, so all is all is well, right? <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Just, um, I'm just reeling. What's that? I'm just reeling from the aftershocks of our of our look well episode. It's uh, you know, sent uh, lightning bolts out throughout the business. There's going to be an entire look well franchise reignited thanks to us. <laughs> yeah, I actually ended up telling a few people about it, and I know two of them watched it mm-hmm. and they loved it, and I. I guess i forgot well not i guess i had forgotten to just kind of mention that because i didn't really think anybody would watch it that uh there was only one episode oh so they oh where where can i watch the rest oh wow that's like and i'm like you know your imagination (laughs) that's like you know when you give someone steroids and they ask for more and then you're like how about some money buddy huh is that i what is what? it like that? I mean, <laughs> I I wouldn't know. <laughs> uh, I don't think that's how they do steroids. They're not like first steroid is free. Oh, it's not. <laughs> how well? How does it work then? Please tell us. Enlighten well, us. Well, I think it because I, I've never taken steroids, so I couldn't tell you. But uh, I'm pretty sure it doesn't take effect. You know, it's not like you 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 inject it and you get a high from it, or even like muscles instantly like it's after a few weeks right. I think of injecting you have to take a, a cycle or whatever <laughs> i think that's the correct terminology but sure uh, sure yeah. <laughs> sure hey are you uh, somebody with body dysmorphia that took steroids let us know in the comments uh, uh yes about your experience call us at uh five 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 roided or uh five 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 roid yeah. rage yeah i'm more of an ico pro man uh <laughs> man myself what was the uh Trend, trend. I think that's one. Uh, supposedly, it's yeah. Trend is a steroid. A molecule uh, away. Ball. Yeah, I. <laughs> we should have a steroid of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Anavar is another one, I think, or Avanar. Something. I like think that. that's that's a new one. I made a uh, a Solna's reference when I was uh, visiting my my family, and nobody knew what it was because you know a lot of them work in the healthcare industry. I'm like, come on, don't you know what all the 80s wrestlers took to kill the pain? Get with it. Oh, man. Well, I I guess like, uh, you know, methamphetamines and narcotics are uh, the the, the big thing now, you know, like your your Ritalins and Vivans and Oxycontins. Sure, sure, sure. That's what. um, Yeah, so so much like pales in comparison to today's narcotics. So they've been. So what you're saying is that it's okay to take them. All right. Send them on over you. I want them right now. Yeah, yeah. I think Fun Dip is coming out with a crushed Soma uh, <laughs> flavor pack. For kids. Soma's for kids. I mean, well. Yeah, yeah. I mean. It's actually gonna, it, It's actually called Soma Junior. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, those kids know what kind of future is going to be waiting for them when they grow up. So they might as well get hit. None. Yeah, they might as well get hooked on pain pills now. It'll just uh, help yeah. for the future. And another reason why those kids would be depressed is because there's only one season of Stripperella for them to watch. Is that a reason for them to be obsessed, Steve? I don't know. We're going to find out by the end here. Wow, these transitions are, uh, (laughs) they're just. They're they're smoother than the pole stripperella slides her naked, supple body down. (laughs) Wow, it's getting better and better. So, uh, yes, uh, dear listener, uh, sitting on our list uh, in a darkened corner for quite a while is uh, Stan Lee's uh, stripperella. And it's a animated. That's right, Stan Lee's strip. That's right, that the Stan Lee. And um, mm-hmm. well, uh, I mean, I guess we should just uh, jump right into it. What do you think? Uh, yeah, let's do All it. All right, here we go. Welcome to your feature presentation. All right, before I, uh, you know, get into the facts here, I want to know, have you ever seen an episode of Stripperella at all? No, I don't think I had. Um, I remember the commercials because this aired on Spike TV, uh, if I remember correctly. So I'm pretty sure I remember the commercials airing. Right, because you and I were uh, big time TNA marks back in the day. Uh, and by TNA, folks, we're not talking about tits and ass. We're talking about total nonstop action. Right. This is not a joke. I know. It, I know it sounds like a, like a joke. The more I talk about it and explain it, but total nonstop action is a is a wrestling company. They they rebranded to Impact Wrestling, but now, Steve, I don't know if you saw, saw. they've gone back uh, this week um, to TNA Wrestling, and they've got new championship belts uh, now that with the old school TNA logo, and they're filming their first TNA. Uh, branded rebranded shows this week but yeah we, we, uh, tna used to air uh wrestling used to air on spike tv and this is like when spike tv was doing the whole i, I guess it was the whole time about how they're like the man's network or whatever right right it network for men it went from tnn and then it became spike and yeah yeah they were the the men's network they got like uh ren and stimpy on there for some reason <laughs> And, like a more adult yep. version of Ren and Stimpy. I think that was a few years into the Spike TV mm-hmm. thing. And they had, I guess, this. A Thousand Ways to Die, I think, was another one of their big shows. Right. And also, uh, didn't uh, some of those MMA, that's when a lot of MMA stuff sort of crept in as well. Um, yeah, they had like a reality uh, UFC show that I think aired right after TNA Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then they also always tried to do like cross promotion between the two and the MMA guys would show up on TNA and a few people would care. Um, But I I mean, I'm just glad to say I'm glad the TNA brand is back because that makes the TNA tattoo on my lower back relevant again (laughs) before everyone's Mm, like, what's that? Finally, finally. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I, uh, I always thought, though, that like and, you know, you and I were both in the age range that they were going for Spike TV Mm -hmm. and. Even then, like I thought a lot of like their shows like catered towards men or whatever were mm-hmm. uh, just cringy and like they, they were catering to like the lowest, you know, they're basically catering to the market of guys that would put like truck nuts on their uh, yeah, unnecessary I mean, it trucks wasn't... with a lot, of, not every show, but a lot of right, shows. right. It wasn't the smartest uh, humor um, for sure. I would say, I don't know, I would say dudes who read maxim i mean not that i not that i'm like crapping on the magazine or anything but 
I mean, do you think that's fair? <laughs> People who had a subscription I, I, to Maxim? I, you know, I, I think you're right in that that's who they were going for, mm. but I in their execution, I don't think that's who ended up <laughs> watching. Because you're right. I think that is like, because Maxim was really big and there were a bunch of like Maxim knockoff magazines too at the mm. time. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that's exactly who they were going for. But yeah, um, a lot of these shows were just cringe. Although I will say the Joe Schmo show. <laughs> Joe right? Schmo show did come from Spike TV, so I'll get, I got to give him that. And one. that is also on our list someday. Um, yeah, <laughs> let us know in the comments if you want us to cover the Joe Schmo show. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't want us to cover the Joe Schmo show. I do. <laughs> I do know they had uh, Blade the series on there. You ever watch an episode mm -hmm. of Blade the series? No, no, but I remember commercials for it. It's pretty um, decent. It's okay. Pretty good. Okay. Mm -hmm. See, and that's kind of like what I think they should have done more of. Uh, didn't they like relaunch the man show on there too? But I, I think maybe they were just airing reruns or something. Uh, that uh, I don't remember at all. But uh, I'm, I'm glad we prepared to discuss. Hey, I think Spike we've TV given a lot of uh, background on uh, on Spike, a, a cable network that no longer exists. I mean, let's be clear here, people. Spike TV was no UPN. <laughs> yeah, but so they did have your your 100 right. Blade the series. Uh, Blue Mountain State. Oh, yeah. Cops. They used to show cops mm. all the time. Oh, God. To catch a contractor. I, I think they just did like too much uh, reality TV. And they should have probably like leaned into more scripted stuff. Right. Chris Angel. Oh, God. Elite. I hated that guy. Jesus. He's not around anymore, is he? I, I mean, he someone I, I mean, surely murdered him. No, no, you hell. I, I, I see in my mind vividly that someone assassinated him. Someone with three names, I'm pretty sure. Mm, I see, I see. Dave, it was I David see. Copperfield, actually. He, like, reappeared, <laughs> took him into a dimension, disappeared. He was never seen again. It's a true story, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, uh, I mean, Spike was owned by Viacom, which owns, like, MTV. I mean, back then, they were doing a lot of reality shows. And reality shows are cheap, so... It doesn't uh, surprise me that yeah. Spike had a lot of uh, reality uh, shows back then, but uh, and it was um, it was Mansers that I was thinking of, not the Man Show. Mansers, what what was that? Um, it was, I just remember it being like oh, like a late night kind of comedy show, like Answers, but Man. All right, I got. It. I think I've seen uh, commercials for that. Yeah, I remember it not being that great, and. If I remember right, like funny enough, like half the producers were women anyway. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh well, that's an interesting tidbit. Um, and I do remember that like a narrator would shout Mansers and like something would explode. <laughs> It'd be like an explosion, it's like the secret word. So that's kind of what I mean by like, yeah, that's kind of what I mean by like, oh, um, you know, there would be like somebody going oh this is what men want like somebody yelling in an explosion sure and it's like yeah the guys that put truck nuts on their trucks sure sure yeah those guys i got gotcha. you but um but yeah as far as my history with stripperella i think maybe while i was waiting for an episode of tna to come on i caught the last like 10 or 15 minutes uh, and I remember... I thought you were going to say the last 10 or 15 episodes. Oh, I don't there's not even that many episodes. There's, I know, there's yeah. like 13, right? Uh, yeah, no, I just sat there and watched them all. But no, I remember because I think at the time Pamela Anderson was dating Kid Rock, and he was in the show, but then... 
right. Stripperella was there, but then also Pamela Anderson herself was there. So I could tell that there was definitely some sort of like take it with a grain of salt kind of, uh, you know, meta comedy going on. But I mean, it wasn't enough to make me want to come back and like watch some more or anything. I just sort of forgot about it uh, until now. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, let's just go ahead and, uh, yeah, yeah, let, let's get into it. I think we've, uh, you know, we much like the strippers on the show, we've teased the audience long enough. <laughs> well, it, it's time to undress, reveal our review, if you will. <laughs> Nicely played. All right. So we are watching, um, Stripperella season one, episode one and six, which is actually a two-parter. Uh, Spike, the great network we were just talking about, for whatever reason, did not air uh, Stripperella in the proper order. So they started with... And this is a freaking two-parter. Yeah. <laughs> and they didn't air it in the right order. So the title of this episode is... Be That's just like a man thing to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll read the instructions you know, later. <laughs> it's meta, you know. Uh, it's fine. I'll play it when I get yeah, to uh, it. Yeah, these... These dudes don't care about the plot. They're just here for the animated tits. Uh, but uh, yeah, this is a uh, Beauty and the the Obese parts one and two, and uh, it premiered the first time. It the first episode was premiered June twenty six two thousand three, and then uh, episode six or part two, if you will, uh, premiered October second two thousand three. Uh, it's just last one season from two thousand three to two thousand four. 13 episodes, and each are about 30 minutes apiece. And uh, yes, we've already mentioned that this is created by Stan Lee. Yes, the Stan Lee. And uh, by created, basically, he pitched the show and handed the character outlines uh, to the two writers here, um, Kevin Coplo and Heath Seifert. And, uh, yeah, so that was basically his involvement. I think at this point he had already distanced himself from Marvel and he had his own, uh, sort of production company called POW Entertainment. This was like their first, uh, big project basically. And of course we know Stan Lee, creator of such superheroes as Ravage 2099, The Impossible Man, and Nightcat, <laughs> and nobody else. I mean, I can't think of anyone else. Can you, Yael? Can you? No, no, I, I, I can't. Mm. Uh, he, he wasn't very prolific. <laughs> you got that right. I mean, that sounds like a fake name if you ask me. <laughs> mm -hmm. But uh, so here is the synopsis for the series, and it goes as is followed. Pamela Anderson provides the voice of Erotica Jones, who is stripper by night and superhero Stripperella by even later at night. Uh, and I, I don't know, that uh, synopsis kind of cracks me up. That is pretty funny. Mm -hmm. I wonder what genius wrote that. Was it you? <laughs> uh, it, it was Pamela herself. Mm, basically, the, um, uh, the synopsis for the two episodes we're about to watch as, uh, is uh, supermodels just start becoming morbidly obese out of nowhere, and uh, Stripperella basically has to find out why. And uh, the, these two episodes were directed by Kevin Altairi, and that name has actually popped up before uh, when we covered the Gen 13 movie, which he also directed, Batman the Animated Series, Cops Fighting Crime in a Future Time, and uh, G.I. Joe Renegades. Um, <clears throat> so check those out if you want to see his other work. Uh, and then, as I said, the writers are uh, Kevin Coplo and Heath Seifert, 
and they're basically a writing team. They worked on all the same stuff together. 65 episodes of Singled Out. Why do we need writers for the MTV show Singled Out? Um, well, you got to write those uh, funny quips and transitions between uh, Jenny Garth. Uh, no, Jenny McCarthy. Probably best known for uh, letting her baby get every disease possible <laughs> because she thinks vaccines are fake. It's Jenny, Jenny McCarthy, <laughs> not Jenny Garth. Jenny McCarthy, yeah. yeah. Oh, Jenny Garth is from Beverly Hills, down in right, Toronto. Right. Uh, I apologize, Miss Garth. <laughs> Uh, Wait, this just in. She doesn't like vaccines either. So, <laughs> nah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, she does like nose jobs. Oh, zing. But, uh, maybe and nose candy, but, uh, too, I hear. Uh, what? You don't like that joke? <laughs> oh, I just wasn't aware of that. Uh, maybe, I started thinking, is that why she got nose jobs? <laughs> I started wondering maybe she had some kind of damage. Sorry, I, I just... I just kind of went into my own head. All right, well, don't forget, for, I, we are, well, I was going to say we are live, but we're recording live to tape, so well, watch out. I, I think I think it's a pretty well-known fact that dead silence is good <laughs> uh, with an audio medium. It gives your audience a chance to stop and think. Yeah, think about how they're <laughs> wasting their time hearing two guys talk about Stripperella. Anyway, <laughs> so they also worked on all that together. Good Burger. Keenan and Kel, and I guess they're also getting residuals from the new Good Burger movie because it's all based on their characters. I mean, as you can see, real, real powerhouses, like at least in the Viacom community. Um, so, uh, who are some of the thespians that loaned their voice to Stripperella? All right. Well, starting off the bat, we of course have Pamela Anderson. You probably know her best for being Pamela Anderson. Uh, I do. I <laughs> I get that point. reference. Yeah, but obviously Baywatch, uh, this show. Did you ever watch that show VIP? Oh, I'm familiar with it. I don't think I've ever seen a full episode. I I remember watching a few of those. It was like this awful syndicated show where like they were like it's kind of like a little bit of a Charlie's Angel esque. Sure. They're like spies. I don't remember exactly, mm. but it, it it was like from what I remember, bad but tongue in cheek enough and knew it was bad just enough to make it entertaining why that sounds like an but, animated series I, that we're doing a podcast on all <laughs> but uh, don't forget barbed but, wire of course in fact we should review yeah. that someday that would be pretty fun yeah which uh, barbed wire is like a movie based off stripperella right no uh barbed wire was an actual dark horse character Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. uh, well, uh, what did you think, by the way, about Pamela Anderson's performance? Uh, she is not a good voice actress. Um, like, I mean, as long as she doesn't, as long as she can just do a regular voice, then it's no big deal. But, like, there were times when, you know, she needed to be sort of, like, excited or scared, and she didn't really do that. <laughs> yeah, for me, I, I agree. It was, like, all over the place. There were, there were a few times where it was, like, surprisingly good, mm -hmm. but for the most part, it I don't know. Yeah, like like sometimes it'd be like bad, and other times it was. I mean, it's okay for the most part for what this is. Right. But... Well, that's why they threw um, some of these uh, voice acting legends in here with her. Yeah, I, I will say I think she did, she did better than I expected, yes. which was could... not good. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> she meet medi mediocre expectations. Yeah. Uh, so going on with the rest of the cast, we have D. Bradley Baker. He plays the voices of Ozzy, Baby, and uh, Businessman. He has a very small amount of credits in his IMDb, only 671. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow. What a slacker. 
Yeah, yeah. He's a real Stan Lee over here. Just lazy. <laughs> Anyways, um, I guess he's probably most known from Phineas and Ferb and American Dad, mm-hmm. um, where he did like multiple voices, also Family Guy. But yeah, he, he's got like lots of stuff with like episodes in the triple digits. Um, next up, we've got John Cryer, who plays Dave slash Clifford. John Cryer, man, he is. I kind of hate John. Cryer. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not a. I don't understand the appeal. Like, I tried watching that the Two and a Half Men with him and Charlie Sheen. It's a terrible show. Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, most sitcoms are. Um, and yeah, I'm just like, man, that guy's annoying. Like, why? Why is he still getting work? Yeah. The, the, now I do remember I saw him like in I think it was on Conan O'Brien like you know being interviewed and he and this must have been like towards the tail end of Two and a Half Men where he talked about how like he was balding and they won't let him just like shave his head for the show uh-huh. and they kept like putting like fake hairspray or something in his hair oh, wow and and he like I think like takes it off during the interview or something like rubs it off or oh. something just to, like show people oh, wow. Uh, and he, and he was actually like pretty uh, funny in that interview and pretty self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. So I guess he's just a guy that, you know, he'll take whatever for the money. And I mean, it's hard to blame, right? Because I mean, Two and a Half Men was a huge hit, you know, and I'm sure the residuals for that are great. Mm-hmm. So his new show looks even worse than Two and a Half really Men. It really does. It really does. Extended family. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. Fuck. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> If you see Joan Cryer and something, there's a high chance it's not going to be good, uh, with that. the exception of Hot Shots. Joan Cryer was in Hot Shots? Are you sure? Yeah, he's Washout. Um, I'm going to have to go back and watch watch that. I mean, I see it right here in his credits. Okay, well, then I'll... All right. Well, still, yeah, you're right. Great movie. Um, anyways, moving right along, we've got Mark Hamill. Uh, Mark Hamill, uh, you know, he's been in a bunch of stuff. I think most people know him as the voice of Merlin in Wing Commander, 1999. Right, with, right. Uh, and uh, from uh, Cherry Corvette, like a, a Ron Howard movie that he directed, I think. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, these are the things that most people know him for. Mm-hmm. Or that sci-fi thing, Sequest th- 2032, he was Tobias Leconte on that. I was going to mention that. I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. That's what people know him for, about, from. Yeah. Uh, We've got Serena Irwin as the voice of Persephone uh, slash cliche. Mm. Um, she doesn't have that many credits, but she's still working actively. Um, she's got a lot of episodes in the things she's done. She just doesn't have a lot of separate things that she's sure. done. But yeah, she is mostly a uh, voice actress. Um, we've got uh, Tom Kenny playing Calvin Calhoun slash Leaf Blower. He's another guy that's done voice uh, stuff, mostly SpongeBob SquarePants, or he's uh, Patchy the Pirate. Right. If that means and, does that mean something to you? And he's the voice of SpongeBob. Yeah. Um, and also, oh, is that an important character? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I've sort of heard of him. I'm kind of familiar with his work, but I'm not really a SpongeBobber. So uh... <laughs> you're not going to. Sp- Spongecon 2024 no i don't get i don't i don't, I don't get sponge oh, whatever not, you guys you're do you're not sponge worthy but how's that yeah, for a dated not. reference for you but i will say you can actually see tom kinney in the flesh uh, <laughs> if you want that on um mr show with bob and david did you ever watch that back in the day uh i never watched the whole thing but i've seen some clips it's, it's pretty funny oh yeah, absolutely uh, in this particular episode, we've got Kid Rock. I don't think he was um, in this one, was he? He is. He's in the f- part one. Okay. 
He, he's the only like difference in cast between mm. part one and part two. <laughs> he's uh, Stiffy Woods right, of course. in part one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kid Rock, of course, he's most famous for being transphobe and <laughs> homophobe. Uh, he's just he's just a scared little man, basically. <laughs> uh, yeah, does it actually do rock? Just rap rock. <laughs> yeah. Um, then we've got uh, Tom Wilson uh, in this. Uh, also a Wing Commander alumni. Um, that's what he's most known for, right? The Wing Commander games, of course, I of course. But uh, you, you um, can't skip Maurice Lamarche. I, I'm not skipping. Him. Okay, I'm not skipping. I saved him for last. Why? Well, I'm a professional, Stephen. <laughs> right. I, I'm the one that knew Kid Rock was in this episode. Don't. Okay. I don't. Just relax. I would think that would be something you would want to know. Yeah, just 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 uh, sit back and let this American badass uh, with a ball over the uh, oh, credits. God, I don't God. know. <laughs> tell me what your name is. <laughs> uh, well, anyways, I'm going to tell you about this guy named Tom Wilson. He was obviously in uh, Back to the Future as Biff. Um, and yeah, he's been in a bunch of stuff, including some SpongeBob stuff, which is probably what you uh most know about he probably re- really wrings the moisture out of you or <laughs> jesus wow what a breach but uh sure we'll go with it <laughs> all right and last but not least we've got maurice lamarch um he's been in a bunch of stuff futurama the simpsons which is what i'm sure you want me to mention um uh he was most recently a few years ago though uh lieutenant drew patchett on star trek Lower decks. Nice. And of course, he's the brain from Pinky and the Brain. Yes, but also he was uh, on in Star Trek Starfleet Command. Do I need to oh, run the, uh, <laughs> the bumper? Yes. Oh. Yes, he's got two credits. Come All on. right, here we go. For Maurice. Ah, oh no. We've just entered another Star Trek connection. Ah. Some people call me Maurice. Wee woo. You know that song, right? So I, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I do want to mention um, he's not in this episode in either of these episodes that we watch. But I don't know if you were aware that Vince McMahon is in three episodes. I was not aware. Yep. So Vince McMahon is in three episodes. Uh, he plays a character called Dirk McMahon. Uh, <laughs> nice. So I assume he's just playing like uh, I was gonna say a caricature of himself, mm-hmm. but he he is a caricature of himself, right? Right. In real life. So woman. Yeah. Anyways, and that is the cast. Hey Vince, we want you to play a womanizing uh, wrestling promoter. You think you can handle it? <laughs> it's the <laughs> part I was born to play. All right. Uh, so yeah, um, it, it's amazing the amount of uh, high quality voice actors they got in this. But I mean, I guess it was. Uh, I guess Pamela Anderson was still really popular at that point, so everybody wanted a piece of that Anderson money, I guess. I don't know. Sure. All right, so uh, the uh, Stripperella opening begins, and basically we are treated, if you will, to uh, Erotica Jones. That's Stripperella's real name, her her regular, her her Clark Kent, if you will. Yeah, her government name. Yeah, yeah. She performs a strict, Striptease with uh, action footage of uh, her counterpart Stripperella, sort of intercut throughout the number. Um, I was. Uh, can you describe the theme and maybe recite some of the lyrics from it? <laughs> <laughs> I. It, it's it's like very generic, kind of '90s dad rock. Uh-huh. Um, in fact, I was surprised when I heard lyrics about 30 seconds into it 
because I thought it was just like some, you know, like royalty free track number five. It, it sounds like a WCW entrance theme. Oh, basically. I agree. Oh, absolutely. But yes, uh, uh, some of the. Yeah, the theme song, the theme wasn't it just like once the music kicked in, like Stripperella. That's it. You, like over and over, basically. It's like they, uh, the writer of um, Robocop Alpha Commando theme and Stripperella theme, they both went to like the same school for writing theme songs for cartoons where. You just say the title name of the character over and over again in the chorus, and bam, there you go. There's your, uh, there you there's go. your opening song. Uh, and also, okay, so it begins. How would you describe the animation style to people who are only listening at home? So, you know, it kind of falls a little, like, like a cross between, like, that 90s, superhero Saturday morning cartoon style of like Spider-Man mm-hmm. uh, mixed with like a flash cartoon, like a web flash cartoon. Mm, I don't know if I'd say, I mean the, you know, whenever you watch a flash cartoon, like the motion is a little weird. Like I, I felt like it was, the motion was fine to me. It felt a lot like freakazoid that sort of style. Maybe. Yeah, I could see mm-hmm. that. I could see that. But uh, yeah, definitely like the, the sort of Spider-Man level, maybe slightly above just a little bit. Oh, really? I, I would have put it at slightly below. <laughs> well, all right, listener, you take that and do with it what you will. Um, okay. So now we're inside. There is a fashion show going on the runway and everything. Uh, a very lean model walks the runway and there's like, I guess he's supposed to be like a critic sitting at the road. He's like, ooh, how nouveau, like, uh, fashionable. I love it and hate it, which uh, mm-hmm. kind of made me chuckle. And then out of nowhere, the model becomes morbidly obese. Her, like, I don't know. She ba- just basically explodes. And she doesn't explode. She just becomes, like, basically a sumo level of uh, heftiness. And fall. Yeah, she becomes like like a morbidly obese, like like a six hundred pound person or something. Yes, yes, exactly. Um, and she, I guess, falls on the crowd, and then we uh, cut to um, the uh, the Tenderloin, which is the name of the strip cl- the strip club where Erotica Jones slash Stripperella lives, or lives where she works. Uh, what did you think about the the cold open? Like, what what were your initial thoughts like? Um, I, I gotta be honest. I, I, I was like a little like, uh, this is probably not going to be great. Uh, was kind of uh, what I got from it. Yeah, no, um, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I mean, just like, I mean, I just remember even seeing like, again, the commercials of Stripperella and kind of like rolling my eyes or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah. And I definitely felt that way after the beginning. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it's definitely very eye rolling. I was glad that uh, no one was, uh, there to watch it with me <laughs> <laughs> oh you didn't invite your your mom or dad or priest to watch it with you no not this time mm, next time though okay I'm, I'm saving the the vince mcmahon episodes oh nice so uh we're at the tenderloins and there's a bouncer at uh i guess we're on the outside and this basic this kid basically hands him his grandma's id and the bouncer goes goes ahead and lets him in so then we're basically sort of uh, getting little uh, shots of how the tenderloin sort of operates. Obviously, there are topless dancers dancing around. And then there, there is a man explaining to a blind man what one of the dancer's breasts look like. Uh, and then there's another patron who uh, asks a woman. She's later revealed to be Persephone for a dance. 
And for some reason, the bartender is like, oh, I'd love one. Uh, like trying to horn in on the guy's uh, dance. Like, did any of this stuff make you chuckle or were you still in cringe mode? No. And the bartender is like voiced as like an effeminate, your stereotypical mm-hmm. effeminate gay man that they would, you know, put that voice on like in the 90s and 2000s and stuff. And like, I mean, and, and you know, depending on how it's written or played up, it can be funny. Mm-hmm. But uh, it just kind of came off like, Eh, it wasn't it wasn't particularly clever. It was kind of cringy. Eh, it, it didn't really make me chuckle. What about the blind man? Uh, what about the guy explaining to the blind man what the stripper's breasts look like? <laughs> Nothing there for you. Uh, no, that didn't do it for me either. Because um, you know what it is? I, I, I think the show, sometimes it'll come up with a funny joke. Mm. But then... Maybe because they know they're going to be on Spike TV, they feel like the audience won't understand it. So then they have to explain the joke and oftentimes do it again a second time right after the explanation, like a variation of it. And it just, I don't know. It really took me out of it. I could see that. So uh, the manager asks where Erotica is. And uh, then we basically cut to, um, and Erotica is uh, Stripperella. And she is in a zoo, like basically in a, the lion enclosure. She's got like a baby in her hands and the lions are coming at her and the baby as uh, as the crowd looks on. And uh, she basically fakes the lions out by wrapping a blanket around a rock and throwing it away. And then the lions go after that. And then she goes up and hands the baby to the mom. And the mom is like, that blanket was an heirloom. Uh, thoughts on that? <laughs> I mean, I didn't think that that was funny either. Um, we should mention the crowd thought that like she had thrown the baby to the lions. Right, right. So uh, she's maybe she should be a magician instead of a stripper because her sleight of hand must be uh, very good. Well, I mean, as we're going to see, I mean, basically, Stripperella has, much like Inspector Gadget, she has all the tools she needs just sort of hidden in her very skimpy outfit. Um you know, so plot armor, if you will. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, and then they pan out and they're like, um, show like that there's a playground right next to like the enclosure. See that, that I kind of thought. Was, all right. So, Stripperella starts um, basically, um, she lectures the, uh, the zookeeper. She's like, maybe build the playground not so close to the uh, the lion enclosure. There's like swings like with kids on it. Yeah. There's like a, sw- yeah, there's like a swing like right next to the opening and the the way the enclosure is, it's like um underground's not the right word, but it's like a pit. Right, right, and right. They could swing right like, into it basically. Yeah, they could swing right into it basically uh, if, if they wanted to and I thought it was a funny idea, but I hate that she like explained it ahead of time. Mhm. Uh that was my only complaint, but it, it it made me chuckle. I just wish that, you know, I don't know, like like they would have done it a little bit differently or just panned out, like have her not even mention it. Yeah, just sort of walk away and yeah, yeah, I gotcha. Um, so yeah, now we're back. Maybe even have another kid as she's leaving, another kid like fall yeah, in. Yeah, like something. <laughs> that, that would have been funny. So now we're back at the Tenderloin. Erotica shows up and does her strip tease. Everyone is there freaking out. Like uh, guys are literally drooling so much that one of the servers uh, slips on. Um, on her drool on her drool or whatever and uh 
as uh as it moves on right before she's about to like actually like remove her top her belly button ring beeps and flashes and then just out of nowhere she says oh i gotta go guys see you later and uh this is kind of like a, a running gag um where the manager tries to like lecture her to you know get back on stage but I guess he just, you know, doesn't have any power and she just walks by him and goes and does whatever she wants. Um, <laughs> thoughts on the animated strip tease. <laughs> wow, did it go on for a long time? It did. I, I think, I feel like they're really, at least they were trying to deliver on the promise of their, of the premise or whatever. Because actually, after I got through these two episodes, another one started playing. And they didn't really have any sort of like gratuitous like strip scenes like this one in it. Uh, that's not to say that you know it doesn't happen like later on in some other episodes. And also in uh, in the interviews with both Stan Lee and Pamela Anderson, they said that the show is supposed to be more funny than it is like raunchy. But uh, but yeah, the strip. Yeah, and, and it felt like I don't like it went on so long, Steve, that I was like, are they? trying to actually like titillate the like the viewer or something because because like you said at the be you know at the beginning there's a lot of like comedy with the striptease mm -hmm. and stuff but then it stops and it's just like close-up shots of like her ass and her spreading her mm -hmm. legs and yeah i'm just like what are we going for here <laughs> right right well i mean like i said maybe they're just trying to deliver the promise of the premise but uh but yeah haven't you ever heard of erotic comedy it's supposed to give you a boner but then you're laughing so hard you can't do anything about it oh no no i uh <laughs> that's a garth moringi quote by the way you remember oh it? okay yeah, okay yeah. it did sound familiar yeah. but sorry I'm not, i haven't watched uh dark place quite as often as <laughs> all right so anyway after the long like and it's that that strip scene took up like most of the episode, like the this whole thing just sort of blows. Yeah, by. it is a pretty thin script, so maybe that's why sure they extended it so long. So, uh, all right, so yeah, she leaves and then she goes outside and changes into her stripperella outfit. Um, how would you describe the stripperella outfit? Like, does it remind you of any other heroes or I don't know? Um, offhand, it doesn't remind me of any other heroes, but uh, I. You know, it's very like 2000. Sure, I will say absolutely. And uh, they also kind of looks like something you'd see some somebody wearing at a club in you know 2002. Yeah, and they actually mentioned that they were going to use um, mocap technology uh, to make sure that the proportions of Stripperella were equivalent to Pamela Anderson. And I mean, and they even had her shitty tattoos on there. So maybe, but I never yeah. felt like anything was mocapped. Like. It's, even the no. the strip tease, like I mean, they clearly like animated that. Like someone, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely no mocap in this whatsoever. And if you're just trying to get her proportions correct, you know, you can just use like a tape measure, a ruler, or a T square. <laughs> yeah, and, and then just you know shrink it proportionally to the size of the animated character. Right. Like it's I, not. I mean, I think it's just they're just trying to like make them themselves sound fancy or something. I don't yeah, know. I, I'm sure it was like just a little marketing. Yeah tool that they were using right um i'm sorry go ahead no, i was, I was gonna about say to her, i think we got into the part yeah her mask reminds me of like the spirit sort of that you know classic kind of like pulp mask or whatever but yeah you're right the rest of it is just typical club girl it's basically like a yeah like something you'd see at gadzooks <laughs> what is gadzooks 
Oh, it was like a, it's not around anymore. I don't think at least it was a store in the mall. Oh, uh, kind of had its heyday. I remember that. Yeah, you could yeah. buy like pleather pants there right. and dragon button up shirts. Before Hot and... Topic came in, it took over. Well, Hot Top, you know, Gadzooks was more like club wear type see, stuff, I like see. less than. Uh, <laughs> Goth. Tell us your uh, Gadzook stories in the uh, comments below. <laughs> yeah, I had a, I had a couple of fake leather pants from there. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, so <laughs> after she changes into Stripperella, she delivers what I thought was a pretty funny line. She says, "Evil doers, prepare to become evil donters." Uh, and what did you think of that line? And her delivery was actually pretty good yes, too. Yes, yes, yes. Then her scooter turns into a like ridiculous motorcycle, which makes no sense, and that's why it's kind of funny. Uh, then she runs into a department store, into the changing room, pulls down on a hook, which reveals a Batman-esque pole. Then she slides down the pole into this like underground lair. She shows this laser her this number 0069 tattooed on her ass and it Ugh. like <laughs> i need it yeah it like gets scanned right and it allows her to come in and basically she's now into this like shield like uh lair or whatever where she uh then goes into an office <laughs> this is so drawn out uh where she meets uh chief stroganoff voiced by maurice lamash uh and uh yeah so <laughs> What did you uh what I want to know is where are the other members of this like shield like organization? I mean, I guess it happens. Well, we know there's at least 68 other ones, right? right? Exactly. Um but uh yeah, I mean any thoughts on all that stuff? I mean, obviously you weren't a fan of the 69 tattoo. <laughs> yeah, I just thought it was like lame. And, and you know, I I'm I'm not like a prude by any fucking means, you know. Fuck, I had to explain to you what edging is. <laughs> You know, you'll never let me uh, that. previous episode, but, uh, you know, so I, I'm not a prude or anything. It, it was just like dumb and not yeah, I think funny. You're like me where what offends you is like dumb humor. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, the, the lack of creativity right. and, you know, they're just like, oh, well, some dumb fuck with truck nuts will find this funny. You know, <laughs> I never understood the point of those truck nuts. Um, Oh, man, I got to send you this podcast episode from the dollop about the history of truck nuts. Oh, God. It's actually really, really funny. <laughs> okay. Um, like, it's just a bunch of, like, middle-aged dudes that happen to, like, start putting out truck nuts at the same time that each one of them, like, thinks they had the idea first. And, like, they end up getting into – and this is, like, real-life stuff that happened. Oh, wow. And they got into, like, this feud, this online feud back in the days of, like, AOL and nice, stuff. Nice, nice. So, yeah, it's pretty funny stuff. I'll send it to you. But anyway, um, yeah, I and, and then once she's in the um, the secret spy lair mm -hmm. or w w whatever, you know, you, you've got I, I did think it was uh, OK when like the, the head of it's kind of like a bit of a bumbling fool. Uh, right. I really like the uh, sort of play on the uh, you know, obviously he's the chief. So he's sitting in this motorized wheelchair, which, you know, you've seen with Professor X and the X-Men, with, uh, you know, people throughout uh, James Bond over the years. And he, like, tries to use it to get around to, like, talk to her or something. And, of course, it malfunctions. So he just sort of, like, picks it up and starts throwing it around. It's like, I don't know why I even tried to use this thing. Like, that. I mean, that made me chuckle just because it's making fun of, you know, the old uh, cliche of the old motorized wheelchair so, thing. Man, so that part I hated... <laughs> 
And it also, when he got out, I was like, and he made that joke because he says something like, I'm not even crippled or something right, like right. that. And it was like a funny idea, but just before that, when he's in the chair trying to use, like you said, he zips around like a Looney Tune. Like the chair goes like from one side of the room to another. So it was just like tonally, like way out of left field for me. Mm. And so like that already had me going, ugh. And then even though like the him getting out of it is kind of funny, like I, th- I almost thought, think it would have been better if like he just tried to use it normally and it like stopped halfway across the room. And I didn't think the zipping around thing was necessary. Yeah, I mean, it's an odd mix, like because they do have some stuff that hits, but they have a lot of stuff that misses. <laughs> yeah, um, and for me, they have a lot of stuff. I, I know we haven't gotten to the um, Persephone and her boyfriend thing yet. Oh, but, uh, God, you mean that pointless yeah, I, plot some that thoughts went about nowhere? That. Uh, okay, yeah, I got some. we'll get to that. Some, some thoughts about that. <laughs> Ta- uh, anyways. So basically, um, he shows her news clips of like the model from the beginning of the show, you know, uh, exploding into hyper obesity. And then he sends her off undercover to the pretty girl modeling agency. And so now we are in a a waiting room. Erotica meets uh, another model, a cliche. Um, And then uh, the head guy who I know his name is just something weird and backwards, but they don't really identify him. He calls Erotica into his office and basically she sort of lightly questions him about the, um, you know, exploding model saying that they all came from his agency and he doesn't know uh, anything about it. And he says, now I'm going to leave you unsupervised for a minute. And uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Uh, Oh wait, Steve, I'm sorry. Did we, mention i don't think we did we talked about when they uh the her boss after he gets out of the chair he reveals that tv because he wants her to watch a video yes yeah i mean i i didn't mention okay. it but yeah go ahead so i do so basically there's like this giant like 50 foot tall wall mm-hmm. and it starts opening up in this fancy uh they did like a little cg animation for which i was actually kind of surprised about mm-hmm. uh and it reveals like a shitty like 19 inch Tube like TV. crt yeah, tv or yeah, something yeah. that was and i did think the reveal was pretty funny but then i again i hate it afterwards she's like oh maybe you should get a better tv and it's right. like well uh, i think she's oh she's obviously supposed to be stupid um so <sighs> is she though i don't think so because she's the one that like solves and figures everything out yeah so she's all right, well, maybe all right. he's the one that like her boss is supposed to be the idiot. So she's smart, but then she also sort of makes dumb observations like uh, maybe well, maybe they have. Yeah, exactly... I mean, almost like Clark Kent superhero type observations. Right, right, right. But anyways, it's just a minor quibble. And I, I mean, to be fair, by this point, I was kind of like tired of jokes being explained mm, already. Mm. Like, you don't need to tell me that this is funny because the TV is crappy. Right. I know it is. Right, Like, right. you could have her react, like, in her face or something like that, you know? Hey, I'm I'm but, with you. Anyways. I am with you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, like, uh, where are we? Okay, so she's in there. The guy, the guy leaves, and she uses, like, this I thought was, like, dumb... She's got a camera that is on her tongue, and then she uses it to... Yeah, it's, it's like a tongue ring. Yeah, is that what it was? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's like a tongue ring that has, like, a camera mm-hmm. in it, and she starts, like, OCR scanning the documents right, right. with her tongue. I mean, and I get it. They're just like, okay, so if Stripperella is a stripper, how is that going to play into her, you know, superhero abilities or whatever? So I guess that's what they came up with. 
Yeah. Um, and like you said, I mean, she does have like a very skimpy outfit on, but she has to have tools like Batman. So, right. you know, like her belly button vibrates and like the, the, the little bulb on it flashes red when she didn't need to communicate with her. Right. Her tongue ring, you know, has, doubles as a camera. Mm -hmm. uh, her nipples, I think, like have like a thing that can cut through glass. <laughs> <laughs> in like, this other, so, I mean, I got. I thought that's what was creative. Oh, to be in honest, this other episode I watched, um, this guy had been brainwashed, and she's like, "My breasts have the ability to tell if you're lying or not." <laughs> so, I mean, they, it's off camera, but I mean, you could see where it goes from there. But anyway, uh, so yeah, basically, the guy comes back, um, and uh, he tells erotica that she's got a job on a music her first modeling gig on a music video <clears throat> so we cut to the video shoot uh erotica and the previous uh, model cliche they talk cliche says that she got her boobs and thumbs done that was sort of like an exit line from the previous scene because uh, the main guy comes out and sort of like looks at cliche and she's like he's like your thumbs are too fat so that, I guess that prompts her to go to the plastic surgeon. So yeah. she goes, gets her thumbs and boobs fixed. Uh, and uh, then they yell action. And then there's a weird sort of music video uh, done by, I don't know, who would you say these guys are parroting? It looks like Iggy Pop or something like that. Um, it was hard to tell. I mean, maybe just like gen the music sounded like they were doing like generic late 80s rock, maybe. Yeah, yeah. And the, um, the name of the song was Encyclopedia Satanica, uh, which I feel yeah, like... Yeah, the lyrics were kind of funny, actually, because oh, yeah, they was... talk about going door to door and selling <laughs> satanic encyclopedias. It was funny. Uh, so, yeah, they're uh, they're dancing around. and uh, But before they started, the director told Cliché to go up on the high dive because they're all around the pool and stuff. So the song starts and they're all dancing and everything. And then out of nowhere, cliche uh, turns morbidly obese, falls in the pool, causing all the water to come out of the pool. And she's like stuck in another hole in the in the bottom of the pool. So Stripperella has to save her by like tying a rope to, I guess, the high dive and then one to her and basically hoist her out like a like a, a giant fish or whale if you want to go that way um and then has to like give her mouth to mouth to like uh bring her back to life uh any thoughts on that scene um uh, i mean it was fine it was you know a little slapsticky or whatever but uh yeah it, it, it was fine i mean uh i when he's giving her she's giving her mouth to mouth the, the I can't remember the, the singer from the band. It's I think it's a character that Kid Rock voices says something like, "Oh, this would be hotter if the other girl looked like, you know, the way she did before yes. she got big or whatever." Yeah, yeah. Uh, indeed. So now we're at the uh, Tenderloin, and um, this is when uh, I guess we're fully introduced to Persephone, and now she's a uh, and she's dating a Siamese twin by the name of uh, Dave, and she's like, "Oh, I'm gonna eat meet his, uh, his bro the brother," and like this is just like. This is sort of an ongoing, like, bad Howard Stern joke, sort of, because, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it's just like, oh, how could she not have met the the other brother since they're Siamese twins? Ha ha. Get it. Right. Uh, if you don't like these jokes, you're going to be very disappointed because this B-plot continues all the way into part two, <laughs> which were... Yeah, and again, and this is probably the most egregious example of explaining a joke because, yeah, 
Persephone is like, oh yeah, I'm meeting his brothers for his first time. First time, like you said, they're Siamese. So then the the bartender is like, how could they not have she not have met him if they're Siamese brothers? Get it? Like like, oh my god, right, bro? Yeah, no, I'm I'm there with you. And now we are at Erotica's, and she is looking, I mean, her apartment, I guess, and she is looking at photos from her tongue camera. She actually has to, like, plug it into a wire. It's so ridiculous. It's uh, kind of, it made me chuckle a little bit, but also roll my eyes at the same time, which I think I could probably say that's what this entire show does. Um, yeah. And then Erotica, in, in look well fashion, figures out that all the, the, you know, the girls who became morbidly obese, they had boob jobs from Dr. Cesarean. And uh, then, um, I don't know, does, does she go to Dr. Cesarean's? Um, well, that happens afterwards. They, they cut to <laughs> Dr. Cesarean's, and he's like, uh, you know, talking to one of his patients, and he does an evil laugh, like right there in the waiting room, and they all sort of like look at him funny. Uh, and he's uh, voiced by um, Mark Hamill, by the way, if anyone cares. Uh, like, I don't really feel like too much interesting happened there, but the one thing that I do think is interesting is like the final shot is like a weird CGI shot of Dr. Cesarian's office. Did you notice that? Yeah, yeah, it's like a weird CGI zoom out mm-hmm. pan from the interior of the office to the outside, and I mean it was it was you know pretty well done, especially for the time, but it, it was just like so out of step with the rest of the show that it was just kind of like a little jarring, even though it was well done. Um, I will say I felt like the outside of the of uh, the building that his office is mm-hmm. in. Did it ever mind you or look to you almost like a building you'd see in Batman the Animated Series? Oh, 100%. I mean, I feel like this yeah. definitely takes, uh, you know, uh, a bit of that style of animation for sure. And uh, obviously that's a superhero show too. So, yeah, I'm sure they're building off of what was done in Batman the Animated Series in some some ways. Yeah, yeah. So now we're into uh, part two. And Erotica, disguised as a nun, visits Dr. Cesarian. She questions him, and he mentions that, uh, uh, oh, it's weird. I, I wrote this down, but it never even, like, uh, went anywhere. Like, his uh, receptionist comes in, or someone comes in and asks where they should go. And he's like, oh, you can go to room one or room two or floor five and six, but do not go into room, like floor three. Whatever you do, no one should go into uh, room three. And uh, I mean, I get, was that where all of his like weird crap was? I mean, I don't think we ever. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that must be and I w- what it is. And again, at first when he said this, I'm like, oh, God, are they like over explaining because the stuff again, but then I, I did think like the reaction of like his nurse or whatever was pretty funny. She's like, yeah, we get it. You're doing something underhanded in room three. Right. Uh, so I, 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 I did get a little bit of a chuckle out of that. Yeah, me too. And of course, Mark Hamill does a really good job, you know, as always. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got his evil Joker laugh down. <laughs> he just uses it for everything. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that almost makes me wonder if that's why they made like his building look so much like a building from batman the animated series that was a little bit of a little nod a nod sure i mean i wouldn't put it past them i mean there's you know clearly they're into like meta humor making fun of stuff that's going i mean i think they wanted to have like mix this with south park style humor but also but unfortunately made it dumber while they were at it like i don't know 
Um, yeah, I can see that. So now we're back at the Tenderloin, and Persephone meets up with Dave and Clifton. Erotica sees them, and she mentions that she doesn't have a man because she's too busy fighting crime. And then she just leaves. Like, I really feel like they, this, I mean, this is probably too soon, but this whole episode probably could have just been, or two-parter could have just been one part if they just did away with this whole B-plot with the uh, the twins and everything. But uh, but whatever, it's here and because it, it like it has some like potential mm-hmm. for for like because on paper I could see how they might think it's a fun idea like oh you know these guys are Siamese twins but somehow she's never met the the brother that you know he's attached mm-hmm. to and like they have like a few jokes in there where like it might be in part two where the British and like oh that's that's the other thing one of the twins one of the Siamese twins has a British accent <laughs> and the other one doesn't right. And the bartender, which is funny. It is funny. But the bartender, again, says after he explains, how can she not have met him? She goes, and why does only one of them have a British accent? It's like, oh, fuck, shut the fuck up. Right. Like, yeah, I mean, this show clearly is made for the lowest common denominator or, as Yael says, guys with nuts on their truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, but it's like, man, it like... The, the the B the twin B plot I mean it's not good I could have done without it as mm-hmm. well but it would have been better if they hadn't explained some of this stuff right uh, explained the joke and then because it's not funny I kind of wanted an explanation as to how she didn't beat him um, and you know how like because they also say later like the brother one of the brothers talks about how like he has to go back to London right. implying and it, it implies that the other one's gonna stay and I think it would have been funny if they never explained that stuff. But because they already made the whole like premise not funny by explaining right. the joke of them being Siamese twins, I was like, fuck, at least give me an explanation for yeah, this. Yeah, they over-explain sometimes and then don't explain enough. Like, uh, pick pick something, guys, and go with it. Come on, come on. So yeah. now we're back at Dr. Cesarian's. Stripperella breaks into the doc's place. This is when we see that she's got a lot of little gadgets and stuff like in her fingers, like little uh, lock picks and things like that. Um, she finds a lab filled with, uh, tubes that have like body parts in it. Uh, then Dr. Cesarian finds Stripperella and basically he monologues his, uh, entire plan and says that he was the manager of the pretty girl modeling agency. Uh, I like how he explains, Ooh, look, I want to, I want to show you something. He explains that Dr. Cesarian backwards is what the name of the guy at the pretty girl modeling agency was. And he also rearranges his face since he's a plastic surgeon. He has the ability to do that. Um, I don't know. Did any of that stuff make you chuckle? Mm, not really. <laughs> uh, and when he changes his face around, he does it like Mr. Potato Head style. Like he takes off his own yeah. nose and whatever. Yeah, it didn't really do it. I mean, it makes sense for, you know, an evil plastic surgeon to be a a stripper superhero's uh, villain, but uh, sure. (laughs) So now we're back at the Tenderloin. Persephone is dancing. Clifton, the British twin, is drunk. Dave and Clifton get on the stage and they fight each other. I kept waiting for them to get like to somehow get separated, you know? Like I thought that they were mm-hmm. gonna like fall on like uh like somehow fall through the stripper pole and it was gonna separate them, but yeah, it never happens. Yeah, or like that they just like to wear this like because they have two sets of legs, mm-hmm. you know. They only, so I thought it was gonna end up being that they just like are sharing the suit 
the coat of the right, suit is all like or something. Yeah. So uh, Clifton admits to liking Persephone. Um, and uh, then we're back at Dr. Cesarean's. Uh, Stripperella comes to and she's now um, strapped to a lab table. Dr. Cesarean says he hates models because his mom was one. And then he also said he's got like a million reasons to hate models, like for his origin. He says he was he had a promising modeling career, but then something else happened. And they just kept piling on the origin stories, which I thought was kind of funny. Uh, what did you think about that? Um, yeah, it, it, it wasn't too bad because it was funny how he says that, like, he had a modeling accident. Yeah. And that's why he was like this figure mm-hmm. or something. But he never explains it, which is fine. Like that's fine. Uh, and I wish they would have done more of that because that's what made it so funny. Like a bodily accident. Like what the fuck are you talking about? Right. It's almost like they 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 weren't like the the, the writing almost feels like either they're not confident enough of their own jokes mm-hmm. or they're not confident the audience will understand. The I joke. think it's the second one uh, because I mean I think so yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. So and this could be something where like they got notes from producers or the network. Make it dumber. Make like, it dumber. Yeah. Like, hey, we know our audience. They watch Mansers. Yeah. You know, you gotta, you gotta. They dumb got it up. a pair of big balls on their truck. You gotta make it stupid. <laughs> all right. So Doctor Cesarian says he's going to kill all the models with exploding breast implants, and he already has uh, the first one, um, I guess, armed, and it's on a model at the VH1 Fashion Awards, to which. He turns on the TV and we see like a, a clip of it and we can hear audio from it. Um, Stripperella escapes by, I don't know, there's something like in her, her foot that allows her to escape. Then she kicks the doc in the face and he sends a robotic spider with like syringes for legs filled with cellulite after Stripperella. Um, in which I'll, uh, you know, I'll give him points for you know, pulpy creativity here. Um, mm-hmm. Then, uh, you know, she basically uh, fights with the spider for a little bit. And then she uses her leg strength to, um, she basically gets her legs around uh, Dr. Cesarean's like neck. And she does like the sort of, you know, kick flips him forward. And he was like up on a, um, on a, a platform. He falls down onto the table where she was. And then he gets strapped to the, the table and then the cellulite spider comes and injects him with fat. And, uh, I mean, that is basically the final confrontation between uh, Stripperella and uh, Dr. Cesarean. Um, what were your thoughts? Um, it was fine. Like, the spider thing was uh, pretty cool. It was pretty well done. I, I think this part was... Wasn't it part of it CG'd also, I believe? Mm, I um, didn't really get that, but it's possible. Like like the, the platform that the Dr. Cesarean yeah. is on, I think was a CG. Yeah, yeah. Uh, not the spider mm-hmm. itself, sorry. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was fine. Uh, I, I, you know, at this point, I got to be honest, I was like, the jokes had really, <laughs> you were and done. the way that they set them up and pay them off, they, it had really kind of taken me out of the out of the show at this point. I gotcha. So basically, we don't even see um, like Doctor Cesarean, you know, explode with fat or anything because Stripperella has to hurry up and um, you know basically stop the bomb from going off the VH1 Fashion Awards. So she hops on her like cool like motorcycle thing 
And of course, all these things are getting in her way. There's a train that crosses the road, so she has to stop. But uh, luckily, a a truck filled with ramps pulls up next to her. And she goes, oh, how convenient. And then she uses the ramps to, uh, you know, drive over the train. Were you uh, rolling your eyes at that or chuckling? Uh, Got a little bit of a chuckle. Yeah, I like when they make fun of themselves. Um, So anyway, she makes it in time. Like the model is up there on um, like at the platform giving some sort of speech. Uh, She runs up and says, oh, I have to defuse like the bomb on your chest. She like pushes the model down like behind the uh, the platform or uh, so you can't see. And all you hear is like her sort of grunting and you can like hear cutting noises and stuff. She uh, stripperella picks shows the bomb to the audience and it's like even bigger <laughs> like that it could possibly be. Um, and she uses the I guess the lady's bra to like launch it out of the building and it explodes uh, just in time. And uh, then at the very end, um, Stroganoff shows up and uh, basically says that uh, and a random weird doctor, like they're standing in front of the rubble of a Dr. Cesarian's lab, which conveniently the bomb had uh, blown up. Uh, at least that's what they say. Mm-hmm. And so I guess uh, Stripperella, she's like, oh, is um, Dr. Cesarian, are, they, are you going to lock him up or whatever? And this weird random doctor shows up and he's like, Dr. Cesarin is dead. We found these body parts, so he must be dead. And then he just sort of like wanders away. Like what what did you think of that? Um, I mean, I was like, okay, so I, I mean I get it. The the whole idea is like clearly this doctor's like lying mm-hmm. and um, you know, he's not gonna be dead and like the next scene is uh that Dr. Sarian's like walking away or whatever, you know, or walking in a building. I can't remember exactly yeah, what it that's, was. Yeah, so. that's the final scene. Uh, but before we get to that, <laughs> we're treated to the end of the B-plot. Uh, oh, yes. How could I forget? At the Tenderloin, Persephone says that she got dumped because she slept with the other brother. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, not a not a very good payoff for that. Uh, for that Because that was I kept waiting... Like, if they would have made it pay off, like, there's there's supposed to be a point where the B plot and the A plot intersect, and that never happened. So that just means they wasted yeah. our time with that stupid twin stuff. Uh, and that's... Uh, yeah, and, like, I would have been okay with it not... I was expecting it to intersect as well, and I would have been okay with it not intersecting if it was, you know, good. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but neither happened, so, mm-hmm. yeah. And so, yes, and then the final scene is a trench-coated man. You see his uh, cellulite-heavy legs walking to a train station, and then he, like, sneezes or something, and his nose falls off. And that is the end of Stripperella, uh, Beauty and the Obese, Part 1 and 2, Episode 1 and Episode 5. <laughs> Are you ready to render a verdict, you hell? Yes. All right, Agent Velasquez, do you think that Stan Lee's Stripperella should be remembered for all of human history or tossed into the black void of obscurity never to be heard from again? Um, I didn't like this. Um... I uh, didn't think it was that funny. I didn't, uh, yeah, I, I just didn't like it. And the 
few it did make me chuckle a couple times but at that point like even those parts they didn't make me laugh as much as they would have if everything if the majority of the other jokes would have been better written or at least not as explained because i was just like oh this is not good not good and then there'd be something that might that would make me chuckle but i was already like not enjoying it so it was hard to even enjoy the parts that i did find funny so yeah i can't imagine this dragging on for 11 more episodes or or whatever um yeah so yeah it's a don't remember for me but what about you <laughs> uh all valid points um i think some of the episodes might be a little bit better but yeah these two episodes were um I don't know, definitely for the lowest common denominator. Um, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I like the uh, the animation, and I like the uh, the pulpy aspects about it. But yeah, the writing for this one is not good, especially with uh, the B plot. I might check out some of the other episodes someday. But for now, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be obliterated. So uh, goodbye, Stripperella. Here we go. The heathens have spoken. You are obliterated. All right. Well, I think we did the world a service here. You hell. Yeah. And if you do want to watch Stripperella... Um, it doesn't seem to be anywhere, uh, officially streaming. However, um, I did see on YouTube that there's, uh, some allegedly full episodes, but I don't know. They're like 17, 18 minute clips. So I'm not really sure if those are really full. I think I saw some on, uh, it. Daily Motion. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can, uh, I did see the first episode I think is on Daily Motion, mm. I don't know if there's others and uh, you can also rent it on prime video at two bucks an episode or buy it for two bucks an episode. If that's how you want to spend your money <laughs> on your beanbag chair, if that's how you like to live your life. But if, you, if you think about it, Steve, that's so much less than you'd spend at a strip club. It's fiscally irresponsible not to buy it at two dollars. <laughs> you speak truth. You speak facts here. Um but, uh, yeah, well, that's pretty much our episode. Uh, make sure you subscribe if you're not subscribed. Uh, and or how about a comment? Or maybe one day someone will write a review. Well, that, wouldn't that be crazy? Or how about you throw a couple dollar bills on our stage as we uh, twerk for well, you? Well, I mean, rather than twerking, I would much rather give you a comic book for those uh, <laughs> for those dollar bills. Uh, so, yeah, there's always a link to the Reptilian Media store where you can buy copies of Escape to Earth, um, my my comic. Um, and one day there'll be other stuff there. Of some kind. We're going to sell locks of Yehel's hair. Um, mm -hmm. Used underwear. Pieces of, Worn. of your underwear. coffin shelf when you get mad and smash it someday. <laughs> no, it's too expensive. <laughs> All right. Well, anything else to add before we sign off here? Um, I guess for, uh, people that are fans of my channel, uh, I finished the script I've been working on forever. Finally, um, I am going to go through it and try and trim it down a bit cause it is fucking long. Um, but yeah, I should be, uh, editing, uh, by this weekend. I'm going to probably film the on camera segments tomorrow. Um, Saturday at the very latest and then uh, start editing Saturday or Sunday. So, 
yeah, there'll be a new video out uh, in the near future from me. Sweet. I'm sure there are a lot of people looking forward to that. Uh, and also, I guess we might as well go say what we're covering next week. And uh, that is going to be uh, the pilot episode of Sliders because the creator. Sliders. Because <laughs> we recently found out that the creator passed away. So what better way to remember their work than by watching it and talking about it? Uh, so, yep. all right. Other than that, we will see you next week as we continue to unearth more obscure media only on Obscurity Now. See you next time. You've been enjoying Obscurity Now, a podcast that's recorded live to tape and streamed to Twitch and YouTube. Subscribe so you never miss an episode or hilarious quip. Take us with you by following the download links provided in the show notes to wherever you get podcasts. And take notice of our various social media links. If that's what you're into, I'm not here to judge. And make sure you join us live next week at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific, as we continue to discuss more obscure media only on Obscure Now.